before him. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, here in the scripture, we have, we have this man, this grown man. Right, he's relay race running towards Jesus. Right? And, and, and I don't know about you, but in the scripture, I get the image, and he tells us in, in this verse that this man, after running full speed, falls on his knees. And I get the image every time I read this, this man, he skins his knees all up on the gravel. All right, he's a rich man. He probably had on his little Gucci robe. You know, his nice Stacey Adams shoes. Stuck them all up. He's probably crying. He was rich. He's probably pampered. He probably screamed a little bit. But this man, he demonstrates that real commitment requires curiosity. Real commitment requires curiosity. Somewhere in this man's heart is a desire to eternally commit his life to God. That, that's the reason why he asked Jesus this question. He wants to commit to following Jesus. And after running to him, he doesn't wait. He doesn't say, hey, Jesus, hold up, let me catch my breath. He doesn't say, hey, Jesus, turn this water into some Gatorade so I can quench my thirst. He says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, what, what do I have to do to get to heaven? Tell me. Tell me today. Tell me this minute what I have to do. This man was curious about the things of God. And do any of you guys remember, by showing hands, what you did on November 3rd, 2016? Raise your hands if you remember. Right. Not a lot of us do. Actually, no one does. But I do. I remember what I did November 3rd, 2016, because that was the day where I made one of the most grown-man decisions in my entire life. Alright? Can I share what that decision was yeah. with you guys today? Yeah. Yeah. I said, can I share what that decision was with you guys today? Yeah. The most, one of the most grown-man decisions that I've ever made in my entire life was at Mount Ferry Farm. And that decision was to ride my first upside-down roller coaster since 2003. Wow. Last time I went upside-down on a roller coaster, I was 11 years old. And it was a traumatic and terrifying experience. <laughs> I remember we were there at Nice Berry Farm, and after hours of being peer pressured by my wife to ride this thing, wow. right, she knew I was terrified of upside-down roller coasters, and I actually have written down what she said. I'm going to read to you wow. what she said to me at Knox Berry Farm. She said, be a man in here. Oh. She said, you're ruining the day. Don't, don't punk out. I said, fine. I'll write the thing. Little did she know my heart was beating out of control. I was sweat, rivers of sweat was pouring from my forehead as we started walking towards the, the roller coaster. And I remember as we were walking up the hill and getting in line to wait for our turn to ride it, this woman and her, her, her young child, they, they were walking the opposite directions. And, and out of fear and concern, because I, I really wanted to ride this thing, I did it. Okay. But out of fear and concern, I, I asked, hey, is everything okay? The roller coaster is this way, right? Why are you going the opposite direction? And she, she said, oh, it's terrible, bad news, they shut down the roller coaster. <laughs> you know, you got to wait at least an hour, they're saying, the, the theme park's about to close. I think Knott's Berry Farm, they closed that day at 5, it was 4 o'clock at this time. You know, you got to come back, 
and, and it's not even likely it's going to be up and running. But she said that. I said, praise the Lord. I'm good. I've never been so elite in my entire life. I heard her say that. But as the day at Nonsberry Farm went on, as that last hour continued, I found myself getting curious. You know, Jewel said, it wasn't that bad. Is it really not that bad? Now, I wonder what it would be like to ride this thing, you know, upside down. I wonder actually what, it, what it's like. And, and so my curiosity got the best of me. All right, and video footage was captured of me riding this thing, and I want to share this video with you guys this morning. All right, and so here's me riding Montezuma's Revenge. Uh, I hit the wrong button. You guys can help me out. relationship with God. 
where we walk around and we promote just a lack of spirituality that, that doesn't even exist. Now, some of us in this room, we're, we're not into God as much as we say we are. And as much as we claim to be, and as much as we need to be, the longer the disinterested or disinterest lingers, the faster your discipleship will be destroyed. Now, first your faith takes a hit. Then your perseverance takes a hit. Next, your, your hope takes a hit. And then sooner than you think, you'll, you'll completely lose the drive to be a disciple. You'll stop showing up. And your eternal destiny will be completely destroyed. So we as a church, we have to get rid of, of whatever is preventing us from being curious in the Word of God. we got to get rid of the laziness. we got to get rid of the negative relationships, the distractions, the social media, or whatever it is for you, the pessimism. you got to find someone that can study God's Word out with you if you can't figure it out on your own because your eternal destiny depends on your curiosity. Let's continue. Mark chapter 10. We're still there. Verse 19. Jesus, he responds to this man. He says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, I have kept all these since I was a boy. Verse 17. The man physically demonstrates Right? His willingness to commit himself to Jesus. And in verse 19, Jesus he further challenges his commitment. And he calls him to obey several commands. And the man responds, he says, not only have I been obeying these things, Jesus, I've been obeying these things and following these things since I was a boy. Showing us that real commitment requires consistency. Right, this man flawlessly obeyed these things since he was a boy. And we know that because Jesus he didn't challenge it. Jesus didn't challenge him when he said, hey, I've been doing these since I was young. The man was consistent. And how many of you guys here are fortunate to enjoy the luxury of Netflix? Raise your hand. <laughs> if you enjoy the luxury that is the Netflix, I love Netflix, it's awesome. <laughs> Right, Netflix has something for everybody. Yeah. They got Vikings. They got zombies that are just walking around, grazing at me. Everything that you want to see and watch is on Netflix these days, right? And Netflix is one of the most brilliant discoveries of all creation, right? And it really is. But it's also the most distracting. And right, how many of us in here are guilty of binge watching? Season after season, I raise your hand. I'm raising my hand with you, right? We should all be ashamed of ourselves. Right? Watching Stranger Things till 7 in the morning when you know you got to be at work at 8 a.m. I love Stranger Things, by the way. That's my jam. I love me some Stranger Things. I'm excited. I'm hyped. The new season comes out in October. Right? I'm just sharing that from the I'm excited. They're not paying me to plug that into my sermon. <laughs> my wife doesn't enjoy Stranger Things at all, but that's okay. I'm going to get me some Chick-fil-A, and I'm going to watch the <laughs> of Stranger Things with some Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Right, but the reason we can stay up all night and watch Netflix is because Netflix offers undisturbed action. And what I mean by that is, is when the first episode comes to an end, all we have to do is press one button and we can get to the rest of the season to see what happens next. There's no commercials, right? there's no advertisements, the only thing is just that 10-second that cue. 
All right, that's just Satan trying to prevent us from getting into the rest of the season. Y'all know what I mean, that 10 seconds from that episode here. All right, you know, put it to the next one. And ultimately, the reason why we get so committed to a show is because we control the consistency. Right, but if you fail to watch episode two of the show after watching episode one, the chances of you committing to watching the rest of the season is highly unlikely. And the point with that is careless consistency kills commitment. The most damaging thing you can do to your faith is to be inconsistent. You show up for God, you'll experience God show up for you. You come to the meetings of the body, you read your Bible and pray daily, you're active in sharing your faith, and you're open about the sin in your life consistently, you will definitely feel and experience the power of God. But if you fail to show up, for God, if you miss meetings of the body for selfish reasons, if you miss times of getting open about your sin, you will miss the power of God in your life. You skip God, you miss God. You will always struggle spiritually if you and God don't have consistency. I'm going to say that again. You will always struggle spiritually if you and God don't have consistency. Protecting your time with God is crucial to your spiritual well-being. And some of us in here today, we become extremely careless in this area. We put our own agenda over the agenda of God. We work God into our schedules instead of working our schedules around God. You know, we put personal needs, I, I need rest, and I, I need to work, right? I, I need space. We put our personal needs over our spiritual needs, and we reason and excuse ourselves out of routine Fellowship, And if it's rare to see you in the fellowship, if it's rare to see you at meetings in the body, more likely than not, that means that you're in a terrible place spiritually. Or because the fellowship, that's the place where you recharge your faith. Amen. And if you don't consistently recharge your faith, it'll be dead when you need it the most. Mm. And when your faith is dead, your spiritual well-being, it'll fall completely apart. Mm. And the only way to prevent inconsistency and you walk with God, and to get that out of your life, is to start immediately. Starting immediately stops inconsistency. We, what I mean by that is we live in a world where we say tomorrow way too often. I'll get right with God tomorrow. I'll show up tomorrow. We, next week. I'll, I'll go next week. I'll go in time. It'll happen. But when it comes to God, the word tomorrow shouldn't be in our vocabulary. That's Proverbs 27. It tells us tomorrow is a promise. And for a lot of people, tomorrow never comes. I have a story I want to share with you. Moments after a boxing match in Las Vegas was over, a boxer by the name of Evander Holyfield, you guys know who Evander Holyfield was? Then he's famous for getting his, a part of his ear taken off. I'm just going to say taken off. I don't want to get too graphic. It's Sunday. It's the Lord's day. <laughs> By Mike Tyson. Anyway. Evander <laughs> Holyfield, he went backstage to talk to a famous musician who was at the fight. And after small talk was made, Holyfield, he asked the musician when they could get some time to talk about God. He said, the lifestyle you're living is, is, is reckless. And you can be using your talents to glorify God. In response, the musician laughed. And he replied, I don't have time for God. I'm living for me right now. I'll make peace with God later. Moments after the conversation ended, 
award-winning and world-famous hip-hop artist and icon, Tupac Shakur was found dead at the age of 25 on the Las Vegas Strip. That later time to get right with God never came. And I always think about that. What, what would have happened if he said, sure, let's sit down and let's get into God's Word? I want to start being consistent in my faith now. I always wonder what would have happened. And if you want to have a, a spiritually consistent future, you have to be spiritually consistent now. You have to fight for a spiritual routine now. You have to be familiar in the fellowship now. You have to get open about the sin in your life now. If you want to be real in your commitment to Christ, take personal initiative of your spiritual consistency now. Because tomorrow is not promised. Real commitment requires consistency. We're closing out Mark chapter 10, verse 21. I'm going to read 22. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And I love that because that's the same way that Jesus looks at us today. Right. Jesus, he, he's not focused on what you did yesterday. He's not focused on what you said last night. He's not focused on what, what happened with your spouse this morning. And I share that because Satan, he really tried to creep into my marriage this morning. Okay. Right, he tried to stir up the wall. He tried to stir up some conflict. And I'm getting open a little bit, but and on the way I said one of those those struggling prayers. You guys know what I mean? Some of these married couples y'all know. I said one of those prayers and it was so good. I didn't want God, I didn't want Satan to creep into that relationship in my marriage. And I wanted to get right with my wife now. And, and, and I, I just love that verse in 21. And I think if you have your Bible open, you have to underline it. You have to highlight. And you have to, you have to do whatever it takes to remember that Jesus will always look at you in love and with love. And he tells him, he says, look, one thing you lack. He said, go sell everything you have and, and give it to the poor. And you want to have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Verse 22, and this man's face fell. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. One thing separated this man from being real in his commitment to Jesus. But of course, this one thing, it had to be the most difficult thing for this man to give up. You know, and initially, when I was looking at this scripture and reading it, I believe that Jesus, he was calling this man to, to leave behind his wealth. I mean, it says it right there in the scripture, he says, give everything that you have to the poor. It says, leave it behind, but, but that's just the surface level. It's deeper than that. Jesus, he doesn't just say what's on the surface. He delivers you from the deep issues. And so Jesus, he isn't just calling this man to walk away from his wealth. He's calling this man to walk away from himself. He says, hey, look, if you, if you want to be committed to me, if you want to spend eternity with me, the rich you, the popular you, the famous you, you have to leave that behind. You can't take your old self with you. But instead of walking away from himself, he walks away from Jesus, forfeiting his commitment entirely. Now this man, he had the curiosity. This man, he had the consistency. But he missed that real commitment requires character. Do this one thing and you'll be in heaven. This one thing, sure it's challenging, sure it's difficult. But choose courage. Choose self-discipline. Choose to be optimistic. It's big time worth it in the end. 
But this man, he didn't have the character to do it. Instead, he turned his back on the one he ran to see. Right. And the one he ran to have a conversation with revealing ultimately the character of, I would say, a coward. Yeah. Would you guys agree with me? Yeah. You know, see, we're good at that, aren't we? We're so good at, at seeing what other people need to work on. We're so good at focusing on what other people need to change and what other people need to grow in. But what's the one thing in your life? What's the one thing in your life that Jesus would bring up if you were to run and have a conversation with him today? What's the one thing you barricade behind a spiritual facade? Is it impurity? Are you buried under rampant pornography and lust? Is it self-righteousness? Do you walk around with the same demeanor as a Pharisee? No, is it lack of openness? What's, what's that one thing that you continue to talk yourself out of confessing? What's the one thing in your life? You know, for me, it was, and I think it still can be, my selfishness. You know, I could be an extremely selfish person. My selfishness, it, it put my discipleship at risk of failing. It hurt my wife. It hurt my peer relationships. And ultimately, it wounded Jesus. And it made me combative. It made me defensive. It made me prideful, and it closed me off to discipling. It was my selfishness. All else seemed good in my life. The one thing that I lacked was selflessness and giving in. And it wasn't until I pinpointed my focus on my selfishness that the rubber hit the road for me. And it wasn't until I told myself that I wasn't going to let my weakness wreck my relationship with God. And I hope that's the same for you. I hope that whatever it is for you today, whatever that one thing is in your life, I pray that it doesn't wreck everything that you strive to build in your relationship with God. And, and I don't know about you, but that's what bothers me so much about this man. How he spent years of his life committing to these commandments since his boyhood. Since he was young, he kept every single one. And Jesus said, it's just one more thing that you need to do. You can imagine Jesus smiling at him when he said that. It's just one more thing. It's not 10, it's not 15, it's not 20. One more thing. And so where does this cowardice come from? Where, where does this roadblock come from? Surely this consistency conditions loyalty in his character. But that's wrong. His character is not conditioned or dependent on consistency. Character is conditioned by conviction. Now this man, he kept these commands in his boyhood probably because he was told to do so when he was growing up. Probably but by a parent or a teacher. And so really what it became in his life, it became habit. These were just rules that he had to follow. More so like household rules. And because it was something that he had to follow, it became, it, again, it became habit. But just because it's a habit in your life, that doesn't mean it's a conviction. Yeah. Right? This man, he couldn't fully commit to following Jesus because loyalty was never conditioned in his character. And unlike this man, if you want to be fully committed to Christ, you have to condition spiritual values in your character through conviction. Condition humility in your character with a conviction to get open about sin. 
Condition faith into your character with a conviction to pray every single day. Condition selflessness in your character with a conviction to give to the church. Conviction is a must when it comes to building character. And to be real again, some of us, we have conviction. Some of us in this room, we have conviction that's absolutely pathetic to Jesus. Pathetic. I mean, we, we, we can be slow to repent from sin. We cross boundaries that we never said we were going to cross. We hesitate to make Jesus Lord. And, and then we have this false expectation that God is going to bless us. Know that the Bible is plain on it. It says you reap what you sow. That's Galatians chapter 6. You get out what you put in. Casual conviction cripples character. Weak conviction will take you nowhere near the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but in my study of the Bible, I don't see the kingdom of heaven won over by weak conviction. Like that well done, good and faithful servant. That, that those words that we all want to hear. Those words we all want to enjoy celebrating, hearing that with each and every one of us in this room today. Those words aren't reserved for people of weak conviction and weak character. You know, on Thursday night, I, I read this quote and I fell in love with this quote. And I want to share it with you guys. So the author is unknown. But the quote goes, beauty catches the eye, but character catches the heart. And I don't know about you, but I, I want my character to catch the heart of Jesus. And if you're with me on that, the only way that your character will get the attention of Jesus is if you condition conviction into your walk with God. Don't let poor character get in the way of your commitment to God. Make sure you have conviction in the areas that you need to have conviction in. Amen. In closing out, I want to read one more scripture with you guys. Is that okay? Yeah. Y'all came here for the word of God, right? Yeah. And so let's go there. Proverbs chapter 16, starting in verse 3, it says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. Church, let's be real in our commitment to God. And let's, let's not just say that. It's so easy to make decisions in this room. The challenge is with the decisions we make come when we leave, when we get home, we go, when we go back to work the next day, and when the year continues. It's, it's already August. It's eight months into the year. It's almost 2018. We got, what, four more months? And we're there? And so let's finish this year off on a strong note. Let's set the tone for next year and our commitment today. But let's be curious, let's be consistent, and let's be people of character. Amen? Amen. 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 To God be the glory. Amen.